Good morning. How's, how are we doing this morning, Thrive Church? All right, it's good to have you guys with us today. Um, if you've just joined us, then we are in a series, and we're looking at the book of Daniel. We're calling this series, Being Courageous in a Cancel Culture. And I want to help you guys understand how to have bold faith and impactful faith in your life, your workplace, anywhere that God sends you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 1 this morning. Well, um, some of you may remember in uh, kind of the progression of phones, right? Today, if you think about it, everything we do is from our phone, right? Everything. So you have your camera, you have your email, you have social media, you have the internet, like everything is on the phone. But it didn't start that way, did it? Like, if for me, it's thinking back, so I was watching Seinfeld the other night, and the episode on Seinfeld was George... <laughs> which he always gets into trouble, he has this uh, relationship and he leaves a voice message on her, her machine at home. And he's really mad with her about something that actually didn't happen. So he leaves a scathing voicemail, it's on the machine at her place, and he's thinking, how do I get there to get the tape out? Remember the little tape you put into the voice? And, get, and so I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I forgot that. Because I remember my mom first got the first voice message recording machine. I was with her. She had a little tape she put in. And I listened to her record the message, right, for the Bordeaux home. And so some of you can remember, like you started, I had the rotary phone, right? Remember rotary phones? And then, then you got to the, the cordless phone, and it had call waiting on it. That was something else. Then we had the car phone. And that was only for emergencies. It cost a lot of money. Remember dad, remember dad saying, you only use this if something's going wrong. And then we begin to progress to we got cell phones. The first cell phone was my Nokia brick phone. Right? And, and when you texted, young people, when you texted on the Nokia brick phone, it was T9 texting. Does anybody remember T9? Good. I see all those hands. I, mean, I see that hand in the back back there. So T9 was, if you wanted to spell, you know, say cat, it had to be like one, two, Eight. Like you had the one, 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 two, and it's like all these buttons to push. And so over time, it then got to the Blackberry. I remember my dad handed me, he did the hand me down Blackberry. I thought I was like Mr. Businessman. I had a little thing right there to you. You know, if I can see your Blackberry, remember that? Pull, pull it out. And then we kept progressing, kept progressing to now the point is I, I work from my phone. It's a, it, it literally is my lifeline. It is my secretary. It is everything. But it didn't start there, did it? I mean, it's all, you know, and here's what I want you to understand, too. That's a lot to do with our faith and our faith in culture. Is a lot of times when somebody begins to, to walk away from Jesus or lose Christ-centered values, it doesn't just happen all at once. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I think I'm actually going to get into addiction. I think I'm going to do this. I think it doesn't happen that way. There's a progression and I want to talk to you today about this, like, what is the plan of Satan with our culture to begin to dilute our faith in the same way that phones begin to overtake our life? And see, Daniel knew about this. What happened in the book of Daniel was, it, it was 2,600 years ago, and the children of Israel were split into two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. And it got to the point they were so wicked, they were serving idols, they were just like, the, the, the Jewish temple had idols set up inside of it, they were like bowing down to these worthless gods. God was angry with them. They were disobedient to the Torah, they didn't care anymore. And if you listen to the book of Jeremiah, which precedes Daniel, he's like, your priests don't even care. They're worshiping idols. Like, none of you care anymore. 
He said other nations wouldn't do this. And I love this. He said other nations would never trade their little G gods for another god, but look what you've done. And God is scathing angry with them, not because they've done something wrong, because they are trading out the best. They're, they're giving up filet mignon for dog food. And they don't even realize it. You've seen people do this in life before, right? They make really bad decisions. Like, why are you doing this? And so God says, hey, get ready. Here's what's going to happen to you. The Babylonians, the most wicked nation in the world, and they ruled the world at that time. That was before the Roman Empire, 2,600 years ago. They are coming, and they're going to tear apart your temple. They're going to kill your families, and they're taking you away to Babylon. Get ready for it. And they just kept ignoring it. Kept, and that's what Jeremiah said the whole time. And then the book of Daniel is, this is, really, this, this is what happens. And so King Jehoiakim was the king at the time. He gets defeated in 597 B.C., and Babylon comes over and takes the children of Israel out of there. They leave some people there just to kind of like, you know, just deal with the, uh, the temples and the different things, just to keep kind of Israel together. But these Hebrew boys were taken away, and here is what King Nebuchadnezzar II wanted to do. He wanted to take the finest, strongest, smartest little Jewish boys, and he wanted to use them for his purposes. Now, here's what that meant. He had to indoctrinate them in the ways of Babylon, the culture, their astrology, their, their paganism, um, their food, everything. And he wanted them to adopt the Babylon culture and use them for Babylonian purposes. And so the book of Daniel is the journey of four Hebrew boys out of all these Hebrew boys that are taken. They're, they're, they're four out of many who are being trained in the royal service. And what we're going to look at in Daniel chapter 1 is you're going to see Daniel in Babylon. You get to see what's happening. Like I said last week, Jeremiah was a 30,000-foot view of the Babylonian captivity and what was going to happen. And then Daniel's like, you're in MTV real world. You're watching it, right? Everything that's happening in real time. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 8. It says this, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Now the king, again, had them in the service. He had his, his royal chef uh, helping them. But here's what Daniel did. He said, I'm not going to eat those foods. I'm going to explain why. It says he asked the chief of staff for, for permission to not eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Now here's the thing. By rejecting these foods here, like this could have been getting Daniel and his friends executed. The chief of staff could have been executed as well. The, the, king Nebuchadnezzar was not a kind and benevolent king. He was a wicked king. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And what happens is he didn't want to eat the meat. That was, that was there. Not because meat's bad. In, Jewish, in, the, in the Torah, God gave them permission to eat certain meats that they could have that were actually healthy back in that day and time. Other meats he told them not to. Nothing wrong with meat, right? Um, I'm a flexitarian, so I, I eat meat and I eat vegetables. Listen, God told Peter to kill and eat. That's a direct command of Scripture. So just saying, I, that's why I love meat. But you understand why he could not and did not eat the meat. Number one, it was sacrifice to idols, meaning they would take the animals, they would go to a, to a temple, a pagan temple, they would do a ritual, they would chant over it, and they would offer these uh, animals and sacrifice them to idols. So he couldn't do that. Number two, most of the meats they were eating weren't kosher. They weren't allowed through the Jewish Torah, right, to be able to eat. 
And number three, if you eat the meat, it showed that you were in fellowship with Babylon's cultural system. You were saying, I agree with all that Babylon stands for. And that's why Daniel took the stand there in the culture that he was in. He said, I'm not going to do that. Now, here's the, the thing here. Daniel was standing up for his faith, and that's really good. I love that. But I think in our culture, what happens, I don't want to bleed too much into us because we're still talking about Daniel. I think we become jerks um, sometimes when we do that. Daniel wasn't a jerk. And what you're going to see next is the compassion and love and care for Daniel. Because the question you've got to ask through this whole series is, how does a young boy, a Hebrew boy, into, going to Babylonian culture get, go from there to almost in charge of everything? And, and I want you to watch one of the attributes here. And in the next verse, verse 11 says, But Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said this, Please test us for ten days on a diet of vegetables and water. And at the end of the ten days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Now watch this, watch this. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested him for 10 days. Daniel could have been like, you know what, man? I, I don't really care. This is my faith. I don't care if you get fired. I don't care if you get killed. I'm not eating the meat. He didn't do that. He said, let's make a deal. If this doesn't work, let's, 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 let's revisit. But can we at least try it? Daniel showed compassion and care for someone who didn't share his faith values and, that we, and he was putting them in a really, really awkward situation. Never forget that when you stand up for your faith. Daniel had a compassion for the person that was just the middleman. I'm just the messenger, right? Don't shoot me. And that's what Daniel asked him. Let's, let's keep going here. It says here, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude, watch this, for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. We're going to revisit this, but this is very, very key here. Daniel made a stand, Daniel had conviction, and God blessed him for that in there. It says, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. I don't know when God gave them this wisdom. I don't know when Daniel was given this gift. It doesn't tell us. But isn't it interesting to note the moment that he said, I will not go there. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be involved in your cultural system. I'm going to stand for the Torah and stand for, you know, for, for my faith. Isn't it amazing the next verse is, it says, then God gave him. That God blessed him in that. So powerful. And verse 18 says, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. What I want you to pull from this today, what I, what I want you to know from this passage of Scripture that can, can apply to us, is something very important. Now, you're not in Babylon, right? You're not in exile. We're not there. There's so many parallels to us. And I want you to write down, I want you, what I want you to know is this, holding to Christ-centered values sends God's blessing. Say it one more time. Holding to Christ-centered values sends God's 
blessings. Because that's what we see from Daniel. He refused to be inter interacting with Babylon. He refused to go there. He knew what the Torah said, and he wanted to remain faithful to his faith. And I want to tell you today, when you begin to do that in your life, God will give you a special blessing on your life. There will be something that God can do with you and for you that maybe he can't do for others that don't do the same thing. Now, for you and I, we are in um, what I'd call a, a Babylonian cultural system. It's twofold. It's not just in America. America's bad. America, blah, 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 all this stuff. Because that's what we kind of get in these little soapboxes, especially if you listen to too much political talk radio, you get there, right? But, but he, here's the thing I want you to understand. You and I are just like Daniel and the four boys. This earth is not our home. Man, I love our country. I'm glad to live here. It's not my, it's not my home. See, here, here's, here's what happened. We have a system that, that we live in. When, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, there was something that happened. And it's called the institution of the world system. The Apostle John talks about this word called world. World. He's the only guy in the Gospels and even his, his, his writings that talks about this system called the world. It doesn't mean the earth. The world means this, this system set up and set in place. When Adam and Eve fell, Satan set up a system in place. And the system there, because th this isn't our home, this world is not our home. Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world, right? It's not our The system that was set up by Satan at that moment in time was this. And John tells us this. He says that all that is in the world, do not love the world. All that is in the world. He says, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's 1 John 2, 15 through 17, but it's of the world. Understand, when you're born physically the first time, you're born into that system of sin and everything. If, if, if you've been redeemed by Christ, you, you'll shake your head amen because your whole life was lust of the eyes. If it looked good, go get it. If it felt good, go do it. And the pride of life. I, will, I want what I want, and I want it to be better than other people, and you're always judging, comparing. Think about people who don't know Christ. That's all they have. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. That's all this system is, is, is in. And we just followed that system because we were part of it. You were born into it. The world was your home. You enjoyed it. But when you're born again in Christ, you're born, that word there means anathem from above, you're born from heaven. When you give your life to Jesus, you're no longer a citizen of earth anymore. You're now a citizen of heaven. And so we're in a foreign system called the world. You're a foreigner, and it's, it's like a Babylonian cultural system. So when you were born again, now you're in a foreign system, and the, the same thing that King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do to Daniel, our system of the world today wants to do to you as well and wants to do to me. Because King Nebuchadnezzar had a plan. And his plan was to get these foreign boys who didn't, you know, to get them to become Babylonian over time slowly. And here's what you have to understand. Assimilation by indoctrination is the destination. Let's say it one more time. Assimilation by indoctrination is the destination. That's what the world system wants to do for you and me. That's what our Babylonian system wants to do. It wants to, in, it wants to assimilate you into it. It wants you to become like it. That's why Jesus said, don't be in the world, but not of the world. You got to live here. You got to operate. But do not be assimilated into it. And they do that through indoctrination. That's what happened to Daniel. 
Now, Daniel had to learn pagan practices. Don't you understand this clearly? He had to learn what we would consider witchcraft. Now, did he believe it? No. Did he practice it? No. But he understood if he was going to have to be in the world, in that system he was in, and, inf and infiltrate it and make influence in that system, he had to learn their ways, but he had to be all their ways. So I think the problem with us today in our system, even in our country, what we do is we begin to get assimilated into it. That's what, listen, when you go to university, that's the goal. Assimilate you into it, get, get you to follow the practices, get you to believe what they believe. And we're in a culture, guys, that, let me say it this way, if you want to abandon your faith, then they want you just to accommodate your faith. That, that's what assimilation is by indoctrination. If you want to abandon your faith, then just accommodate it. Think about it. King Nebuchadnezzar, and you're going to see this over again, he never asked Daniel to give up Judaism. He just wanted him to bring in paganism. You follow me here? He never asked him to say, stop, stop serving God. He said, oh, listen, just learn my ways. And that's how it always starts. And in the world we're in, can I tell you, they're not out for you to abandon your faith, just accommodate it. It's okay to believe in Jesus, but also believe every other way is the way to heaven, too. It, it's okay if, if you believe this about the Bible, but you've got to accept everything else. And what the culture that we're in wants to do to us is it wants to assimilate us in by indoctrinating us to accommodate our faith, to bring all these practices in. And that is not Christianity. And when you begin to do that and you start accepting the ways of the world system and you start, or start accepting things that aren't biblical and aren't from the scriptures and start saying, well, I, I believe it's okay for this and I, I feel like it's okay for that and we can, we can do this and we can do When we do that, you lose the power of God's blessing on your life because you no longer have Christianity. You have new age. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are new age that call themselves Christians. They're not Christians. Well, I believe in God. That's not Christianity, friends. Demons believe, James says, demons believe in God, at least they tremble. Well, I believe, that's theism. Believing in God, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. That's a good start. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was dead, buried, resurrected, the Son of God, the only way to heaven, that is Christianity. And believing that, the, amen, that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God, that the Holy Spirit breathed and can breathe life in us, that is Christianity. And, and you understand, our faith is not under attack. Most people don't even, don't even, most people in, a, in the world, you go to New York City, they're not even thinking about, they're not thinking about attacking Christianity, destroying Christianity. They want you to just adopt what they believe into what you believe too. It's okay to believe in Jesus, but you got to believe all this other stuff too. Right? Just, just take all of our values in as well, and we mix it all together, and then we want to call ourselves Christians. That's not Christianity. And I'm telling you, the, the thing is, if you will remain faithful to Christ-centered values and hold fast to them in the culture we're in, it's going to cost you something, but God will rest his blessing on your life. You know, um, I, I think the best way to illustrate this is, is you've heard the saying, how do you boil a frog one degree at a time? It's, don't, do, don't do this, young people. Don't you do this. <laughs> I know some, I would have done this back in the day if, I, if I'd have known this. I was that kid, right? But 
But if you put a, a frog in cold water, he's okay. But one degree at a time, till it gets to boiling, he'll never jump out. He'll die in there because he got so used to it. That's what the culture wants to do to our faith. One little acceptance at a time. One little, oh yeah, one little, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll adopt this and I'll adopt that and I'll adopt this. And after a while, we don't have a faith that stands out, that is set apart, and that can actually influence culture. And that's what Daniel did. He said, I will hold fast to my faith in this culture. I'm not going to be a jerk to people. Like, like most of us are like a jerk, like, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with our values. He wasn't a jerk. He was very kind and caring. And he didn't want the other person to be hurt there. And what you're going to see as we continue in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar himself, King Nebuchadnezzar II, who was pagan to the hilt, thought of himself as a god, could not get, he wanted to know more about Daniel's gods. Intrigued by it because of Daniel's life. So here's what you have to understand when it comes to your values and what, and what Daniel understood is this. What you are willing to walk away from determines what God can bring to you. What you are willing to walk away from determines what God can bring to you. Isn't it amazing that in one verse it says Daniel and his friends did, you know, stayed faithful to God, refused the food, and then the next verse it says then God... Then he had these gifts, he had the, the things that happened to him. I really believe when you make stands for Christ, to follow Christ fully, that God will bless you in certain ways. I don't understand how that works. We have the blessing of God on us through Christ, but there's just certain things he'll do for you. And I'm wondering, as I was reading and studying, you know, Daniel knew the Torah. This is the, that's the, old, the old, Testament, you know, old Testament. He knew what we call the He knew that. All the little Hebrew boys had to memorize that. He knew it. I wonder, I wonder if, is if he's going through this, if Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3 came into mind. I wonder as he was struggling with this, if, if, if this came to mind to him. It was this here, Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man or the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That word meditates means to muse. You know what muse means? It goes, hmm, hmm. You know, you know what amusement is? The opposite. You don't think deeply about anything. But somebody who thinks deeply about God's word, who hides God's word in his heart. He's the verse where he says, he or her, whoever, shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season whose leaf shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And, and in verse 1, he says those who don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the path of sinners or the seed of the scornful, that's all relationship there. That I refuse to be able to walk into systems and relationships that don't reflect Jesus. I refuse to go that path. I refuse. If, if you walk away from that, if you don't stand in that, then whatever you do shall prosper. That is powerful. And, and if you're someone who's looking for success in life and wondering how God's going to use you, I'm telling you, this right here is the key to it. What you're willing to walk away from will determine what God can bring to you. And my whole life, when, when, when I look at the times I've stood up for Christ or I've made decisions based on Christ-centered values, over and over again, every time I do it, it's very difficult. You know what happens? There's a blessing that just rests on something. Every time. 
And, I, you know, I, I, I go through stories and think about stories. My whole life has been that story. But here's what I had to understand. When you do that, and it sounds all good, there's two things that happen. Number one, be willing to suffer. That's how you, you walk away from something and God can bring it to you. Be willing to suffer. Because you're going to lose friends. People are going to think you're weird. Like, you know, everybody's going to the strip club, and you're like, I ain't going to strip club. I don't care if it's a bachelor's party. I'm not going. Not going to do it. Going to Hooters? I, I'm not going to dishonor women like that. I'm sorry. That's somebody's daughter, bro. I'm not doing that. I'd punch somebody in the face if, that, if they, they looked at my daughter, right? Come on, y'all. Someone daddy's saying, yeah, you, yeah, right? Oh, I'm not laughing at that joke. No, that's not funny to me. I don't think it's funny to tell racist or sexist jokes. It's not dishonoring people. I'm not doing that. When you stand up and you walk away from certain things, you're going to suffer. Let me tell you. Um, when, I, when I gave my life to Christ, I had friends call me all types of words. My best friends cussed me out. Lost every friend that I had. Every friend. I literally, it was me and Jesus on Friday nights reading the Bible. I had nothing. If you're willing to suffer and say, you know what, I'm willing to suffer on the front end because I know God's blessing is better on the back end, that's how he can bless you. And the second thing you have to understand is this, believe that God blesses decisions of integrity. Not cutting corners, not, you know, just doing this, doing decisions of integrity. You have to believe that. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel made a decision of integrity. He said, the Babylonian system is not God's system. I refuse to operate in that. It does not hold to Christ-centered values. Therefore, I will not participate in it. In our culture, we've got so much garbage out there I want us to participate in stuff. The thing, here's what I want to know. I don't care what political party you're a part of. Is it Christ-centered? If the answer is no, I'm good, bro. I got Jesus. You go ahead and, and, and do all your little stuff there. Is it Christ-centered? Is it, is it glorifying God? Is it, is it expounding the gospel to the world? That's what I want to know. And when you make those decisions and you suffer, God will bless you on the back end. That's what we see with Daniel, giving these gifts, because that's how he infiltrated Babylon and, and shared the message of his God to Babylon. And I wonder, you know, one of the, one of the scriptures that helped me out any time that I'm tempted, I wonder if Daniel remembered this scripture in Psalm 24, verse 3, and it's this, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Asking rhetorical questions here. Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands are, and hearts are pure, who do, not, who do not worship idols, never tell lies. Now, we know in the New Testament we have access to God through Jesus Christ. You're pure because of Christ. But the question still remains, who may ascend or climb the mountain of the Lord? That's what Daniel did. He kept having integrity, and he kept ascending and ascending. You'll be buoyant if, if you keep having integrity. And that's what Daniel did. He was willing to suffer. Every time I'm tempted with something, it's like, God, I want to climb your mountain. I want to ascend in your kingdom and do all that I can to impact the world. We've got to have, we've got to have that mindset. And one of the hardest decisions I, ha I had to ever make, and I've shared the story of my church world before you, uh, to you before. It's amazing I'm even still in ministry today because it's such a, it's a dark, thank God we have a great church. I love this church. Love you guys. But can I tell you, I have been around some of the meanest people on planet Earth in church. 
the worst people I've ever met are not out in the world. They're in church. You want to say amen? I'll never forget in Elberton, Georgia, you know, Brian and Isabel were there. They, they, they saw it firsthand. They were, they were there with me at a, at a church. We came in, it was, a, it was a white church, predominantly, southern white church, and they were, you know, for that area, they, they were affluent, had money. And we came in and, and did youth ministry. I, I came in there and did that, and when we just saw that church begin to just demographically get different back in 2006, man, five and six. Youth ministry had goth kids coming, and that's actually the small group that I led. I love those kids. And even today, they're still following Jesus today. The church hated it. Their fingernails were painted, and they got spikes on their necks, and they just, ugh. I don't want my children around that. Ugh. And, and those kids are following Jesus, and the good little church kids aren't anymore. And we saw white and black and Hispanic worshiping together in those little small southern rural towns. You don't see that. And it got to such a contention that the church mothers and fathers, they said, I do not want my children being around black children and around these goth children. And it was such a contention. Now, some of you know this. They stopped tithing. All of them did to the general account and gave to a building fund so they could starve us out. They didn't have to pay us. They just said we didn't have any money. They could still pay their bills. Is that not wicked? I mean, I'm a poor, broke college student and could not eat. And here's the decision uh, that I made. And they said, if you'll change what you do, we'll keep you on and we're just going to fire the pastor. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. We all left that church and started a church down the street with the blessing of our overseer and things like that. It wasn't a, wasn't, and we said, we are not, I would rather not have money. And I was, I was, I was on food stamps. And I would, you guys, some of you guys remember Angel Food Ministries, right? It was not angel food, I promise you. It was, that's some tough meat. You, man, you tell you what, my jaws were strong from chewing that meat, man. It, <laughs> I said I would rather go broke and do what God's called me to do than to have your money and sit in a racist, sexist church. I refuse to do that. Friends, amen. And I firmly believe and I know for, for beyond a shadow of a doubt, God continued to just bless me with wisdom and understanding and open doors because at every juncture of my life, I said, I refuse to, even people who call themselves Christians, I'm not operating in your cultural system. I'm going to hold fast to Christ-centered values no matter what it costs me. And I think in our day and time, guys, we're so scared to be canceled. We're so scared to not have friends. We're so scared to be laughed at. We're so scared to like, that we just kind of hide Jesus. We adopt everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I accept that. I accept this. No, it's all fine. And the whole time, we're, we don't have God's blessing on us. If you want to stand out and be used by the Lord, read the scriptures, hide the scriptures in your heart, and hold fast to God's values. In, from scripture I promise you he will do things in your life you never thought he could do and that's what he did with Daniel let's pray this morning father we come to you and we ask for your presence Lord to fill our lives we need you we are in a Babylonian cultural system where we're at Lord that we're being asked to accommodate not to abandon, but to accommodate. Lord, give us the courage through your Holy Spirit to hold fast to Christ-centered values, to not be scared to be canceled. But the same way Daniel stood up for you and his culture, may we do the same thing, God. 
And today, Lord, I pray as we go into our workplaces, our circles of friends and influence, that we, Lord, would refuse Babylon and would hold fast to you. And my prayer is this, Lord, there are people in here, God, that are going to make that decision today. It's going to be tough on them. May they sense your presence with them as they make those decisions based on faith values. And may they have influence in the cultures that they're in, Father, in the environments they're in, at their jobs, in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their friendship circles, wherever that is, give them influence with people to impact them with the gospel. I pray that, Lord. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your next step to holding fast to Christ-centered values and walking away from something is actually walking away from the world and becoming a Christian, following Jesus, giving your life to him. Maybe you've thought about it, maybe you've come to church, but you know this is what I want to have God's blessing in my life. I want a fresh start. I want a relationship with my Heavenly Father. I'm tired of living this way. If that's you today and you want to make that decision, it's simple. You make this confession of faith and pray this prayer after me. Whether you're online or sitting here physically, you pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Today, I make Jesus my Lord. I turn away from my old life. I repent. I'm sorry. And I receive new life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Because I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he's the only way to heaven. Today I make Jesus my Lord. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen.